This is RDQI. This episode of RDQI is brought to you by Dave's Relish. Yes, it's hot. Deal with it. Why'd you buy it? Dave'sRelish.com. Hey, Dave, would you say that a race car driver is an athlete? Oh, boy. Um, well, I feel like I am uh, I'm going to make some people angry with this statement, and I'm just <laughs> based on context, I think I'm going to make you angry with this statement. <laughs> but I would say no. And, and, and the reason why is when I think of an athlete, I think of you know playing some sort of um, physical game. Um, you know, because think about the, the verb, um, the verb, the adjective athletic. Um, athletic, what does that mean? It means, you know, you're fit, you're physically active, you are, you know, and, and when you are driving a race car, I mean, you're basically sitting in a chair moving a wheel around right like i mean i've sure me yeah it's like playing a video game in an arcade (laughs) so so that's that's my stance and let's let's hear you just tear tear it apart (laughs) no i mean look i no 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 nonsense well first my only thing to point out is i've never driven a race car so i don't know what it's like to be inside of a race car um and it, it's a, a pretty important point to note that a race car is very, very different than anything you and I, Dave, have ever driven as far as cars are concerned. Um, cars can, meant for the road. I, yep. Can I, so can I stop you really quick? Because um, I, I think I know where you're going with this, and I want, I want you to define something. So <laughs> okay. what do you mean by race car? And the reason I ask that question is you a very long time ago showed me this video of a particular oh, yeah. racetrack in, in Europe somewhere. I'm sure you remember. Yep. Um, but it was, it was a racetrack and there were two different types of races on that same racetrack. And there was a very stark difference between the two. Yeah. 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 And even that, so the video, if you want to find it listeners and you can at the moment, um, I think it's something like, um, GT versus F1, something like that, like a speed comparison. Or you just look like F1 versus regular car. You could look that up too. Yeah, it's 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 unreal. It's it just kind of, I mean, Formula One, first off, is just the one of the leading edges of motorsport in terms of the options available to you, right? Um, so there's, you know, you also have NASCAR on that list. You have IndyCar, which is... Um, kind of like formula one in the sense that it's an open wheel format so there's nothing protecting the wheels per se there's no like bumpers um which makes it a little bit more dangerous to drive but faster um so you have those series and then you have you know you have endurance racing cars um if anyone's seen the movie ford versus ferrari like the 24-hour race sort of stuff um and then there's rally car which is kind of like off-roading but at very high speeds um, so, so to put this into perspective, because I know you are very, very into all of this stuff, and and I'm not, right? Yeah, but sure. you got me interested in Formula One by showing me this video. So the yeah. video shows, you know, at first a what what do you call it? A stock car or a? a it's a GT car, so a Grand Touring car, um, and okay. they're designed they're designed to be race cars essentially, but that are a 
you know, a regular Joe Schmo could actually buy and then take to a racing track and then drive them as fast as possible. Yep. So the the video is is these cars, you know, bunch of bunch of these cars in a race taking this very this very this S turn, right? It's very mm-hmm. difficult turn, right? And if you know, I would imagine most listeners have driven a car before. Hopefully, um, you know, taking a taking a turn at forty five miles an hour, that's like you can feel the 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 G forces. You know, that's not a, a, a comfortable turn to take, <laughs> no. and they're. And they're taking these turns. Um, I think that those, I, and I, I'll, I'll butcher this, but they they were going about a hundred hundred miles an hour, maybe ninety something. <laughs> oh, you're cute. <laughs> <laughs> no, so the, so the the particular corner we're talking about is called Eau Rouge, and it's at the uh, circuit of Spa or Spa Francorchamps. If you want to get really nerdy, uh, it's in Belgium, and so basically. If you, if you can't see it, listener, just imagine you're driving down a hill and then you turn left. And at the bottom of the hill, you start to turn back right and then you go up a hill. And then before you get to the top of the hill, you start turning left again. So you have a blind apex at the end, at the exit, basically. And it's this famous race complex. I mean, I think this thing was built in like, like right after World War I. So it's been around forever and everyone's been racing on it. So it's just super famous in that sense, has this long lore behind it. And an F1 car, for the most part, will take it flat out, which is to say that the driver's foot will be on the accelerator 100% pretty much the whole way through. Which, so what's... Go ahead. So and I think the speed, I want to say the exit speed is something like 180 miles an hour, 170-ish, yeah. So so when you watch this, right? You watch these cars. The 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 the, the can't think of the name again. Um, the GT. you know the first GT, the first GT cars, you know, take this turn, and you think, wow, they're going pretty fast. And then it's the same camera angle, looking at the same track, and you have Formula One cars take it, and the relative speed with which the F1 cars just navigate this turn, it's unreal. I mean... It looks I fake. Care, it I, really does. I never cared anything about racing, but wow. <laughs> I mean, it's it's unbelievable. And then you you really get a, a really keen sense of how unbelievably fast these cars are going. It's sort of like when... It, again, probably another unpopular opinion, but I've never cared for watching professional basketball because when you're watching professionals play against other professionals, you you kind of think, oh, well, that's just you know, th- it doesn't look all that impressive because you you have this baseline for speed, yeah, or, okay. or mm-hmm. skill, right? But when you when you then take NBA players and you juxtapose them against, I don't know some lesser form right (laughs) you realize wow okay these guys are incredibly incredibly fast and talented tall quick agile but you don't you don't necessarily notice that until you see the contrast yeah and it's especially hard if you're watching basketball on tv you know because they're if someone's six four they're kind of short you know but everyone is six four so it just is like your baseline for height um, right. Having said that, you go to a game, and if you're lucky enough to get courtside seats or something close to it, then you, <laughs> which I've never had the luxury of, you know, doing myself, but I would imagine even the games I've been where I've been like a hundred feet away from the f- the floor, you still get a sense of like holy, like 
those are big humans and they move faster and more with more dexterity than I could ever dream of. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was watching, you know, the, the few times that I had seen Formula One races, I thought, whatever, they're just driving around a track. That's fine. It looks so boring, honestly. It, yeah, yeah, it does. Until you really, really understand how fast they're going. Yeah. And so, like, so listeners, maybe to give you a little perspective. So what makes Formula One cars ridiculous, in most race cars, it's not just Formula One, although <clears throat> the most money is put into Formula One, so they tend to be the fastest race cars on planet earth. But even that, like that's kind of a silly argument, um, for a bunch of nerdy reasons, but let's put it in perspective. So an F1 car has probably around about a thousand horsepower in the engine, something like that. We don't know because teams, F1 teams will never give out that kind of data. Um, it's all shrouded in secrecy. What does your average car have in terms of horsepower? So I drive a Honda civic and I think it's like 167 horsepower. Okay, so so like, yeah, and five if you, to ten x. Yeah, and if you bought like a really nice Ferrari, it might be six hundred horsepower. Right now, here's yeah. the other kicker: the car only weighs sixteen hundred pounds. So my Honda Civic, which has like one hundred and sixty, hundred seventy horsepower, I think it weighs like twenty two hundred, twenty three hundred pounds, basically. So the power to weight ratio is just. <laughs> you can't even compare them. It's almost a joke. And what makes it so f- crazy is that when you put that much horsepower in that light of a car, you can start to go really, really, really fast, right? <laughs> and w- But the faster you go, the more you have to deal with uh, drag, like all the f- like basically oxygen getting in your way, oxygen and nitrogen getting in your way. And when you start driving fast enough, like 140, 50, 60 miles an hour or so, the, the air doesn't act so much like a gas anymore. It starts to act a little bit more like a liquid from a, like a mathematical standpoint. So then you have to push, like you're just like a, I was about to say a physician, someone who studies physics. They think that like, like it's just so nerdy because you're trying to, you're trying to design a system that can most efficiently move through the air as fast as possible. And what ends up happening is you make cars that do stupid things. And by that, I mean, like an F1 car can go from zero to 120 in probably like four and a half seconds, right? Miles per hour, by the way, mm-hmm. which is, first off, is ridiculous. <laughs> but what's even more ridiculous is that because of the way they're designed, they can stop faster than most other cars can as well. So they can go zero to 120 back to zero in something like seven seconds. Seven and a half, maybe, I think. Something like that. Which, just think about that for a second. Like, A, how many people have actually driven 120 miles an hour? I know I've never... uh, No. There was one time I got up to that speed. And that was in the middle of nowhere, Nevada, and never should have done it to begin with. But it's pretty, you know, it's pretty lively when you get that fast. But then to experience going from zero to 120 and then back to zero in well under 10 seconds... It's just unreal. Now, here's so so here's my argument against race car drivers being athletes. Sure. Mm-hmm. So I used to play this uh, Star Wars pod pod racing game. Sure. Okay. You know, and it was <laughs> you know the whole setup. I was sitting there, and I mean, I was going from like zero to f- five 
parsecs. And like <laughs> parsecs are a distance, Dave. But ten keep going. Light years. So <laughs> it's also a distance. Okay. And then and then back in the same amount of parsecs. So. <laughs> And I was sitting on my couch, you know, just having a grand old time. And I mean, so so the race car drivers are doing all these incredible things, great, but they're still sitting on a couch, you know. So it, to me, it's like there are there are professional, you know, Super Smash Brothers players, and they're they're competing, and and that's but but I wouldn't ever call them athletes. Sure. Yeah. 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 yeah and there's there's a whole. I mean, almost every race series has their own version of e-racing associated with it. Um, which actually blew up really big over the pandemic because a, a lot of race car drivers were out of work because no one was going to races. So um, there's a lot of esports competition out there, which is interesting because it's kind of cool to see different drivers mix it up and do different things, but they are just playing a video game at the end of the day. Like they don't actually experience what it's like to be in the car. And here's where, here's what makes a race car driver unique to me. And, we, and this is a thing that I think is what makes great athletes great athletes. And that's the way that they feel through the problems that are thrown at them, right? So if you're LeBron James or any basketball player, you know, and you have the ball at the top of the key and you're going to go one-on-one and just try to drive it through the lane and, you know, get a layup, dunk, whatever, something like that. You can do that at home on your little hoop with no one in front of you or like your little brother, older brother in front of you. And it's, it's only going to feel like you're playing against who you're playing against, right? It's only going to be so hard, right? But if you're LeBron James doing it in the NBA, where it's like, yeah, I'm going to try and beat out these other just titans of humans in a very physical manner to get to the hoop. It's a very different thing that no one could, you, like you and I just can't even comprehend what that it would even feel like to be able to do that, right? Yeah. And what mm-hmm. drivers do, and this is not just Formula One, this is NASCAR especially, IndyCar, you name it. What they do is they feel how fast the car can take a given corner, let's say, right? And they know <laughs> that they can, basically they're pushing the car to the absolute limit of adhesion to the road because that's the, once you're pushing to the limit, that's when you're finding the fast lap times. And if you're, if you're getting last place in a race, it's like, why keep racing? You know, <clears throat> you're always trying to win. You're always trying to beat everyone else. So these people are pushing themselves to the edge and they're doing it at just ridiculous and almost, I mean, nowadays is actually pretty safe in racing, but it used to be very, very unsafe. I mean, race car drivers didn't used to be called race car, race car drivers. They used to be called pilots because it was had more in common with like testing out a new aircraft than driving a road car. They're just so <laughs> different from each other. Yeah, And so when you're pushing to the absolute limit, I think that's where the race car driver, like not just anyone could get into a race car and drive it. Like I couldn't do it. There's no way I would. I mean, I could probably drive one of those cars around, maybe a NASCAR, something that had a little um, slightly simpler engine, but I would be driving like a grandma compared to what any proper race car driver would be doing. You know, so there is something about a race car driver that is unique, and that's what I, that's all I mean about being compared to athletes. On that note, although I, I have something for you later, but I, I still think. Well, I guess what do you, what do you think? What makes someone an athlete, Dave? Like, is a gymnast an athlete? <laughs> you know what? So I was, I I I was thinking the exact same thing. Um, 
what is an athlete? Because as you were describing that, I was thinking about music, right? So, so I know we haven't caught up in a in a while, right? But I um, actually playing a show with uh, with the guys this Saturday down at a farm. Nice. Um, oh, oh, right, it's right, be yeah, absolutely yeah. fantastic. And I uh, this is this show is probably coming out Tuesday, so the show is Saturday. It's about an hour and a half from Chicago. So if anybody wants to come, just you know. And actually knows me. Just send me a DM. I'll give you the address. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but we were we were rehearsing this morning, and ah, we were just playing so well, so 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 well. But there's, you know, I've I've played music for a long time, right? And I, you know, I, I at any given point when you're when you're trying to get better at something, whatever what, whatever it is you're trying to do, you know, where you are in the present moment is the best state, you know, or the best that you've been at this thing. Probably, you know, unless you like play professional basketball and then stop for 20 years. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but as we were playing, I was just thinking, wow, you know, it's, it's, it's so incredible that, that the four of us can, can do the things that we're doing and we're all such, such, you know, masters, you know, uh, lifelong learners of our given instruments and mm-hmm. also lifelong learners and, and masters of just playing with other people, playing with one another, mm-hmm. that we can really bend and break the rules because we know them so well. But I, for, for much of my musical career, we just struggled so hard. Me, the people I played with to make the sounds that come so effortlessly to us now. Yeah. And and that's where my mind went as you were describing, you know, a race car driver's relationship to their car, to the road, to the race, to the mm-hmm. other drivers. It's this, it's just this, you know, it's a competition, whereas music is not a competition necessarily. <laughs> but, right. Unless you put it on a, a TV show and then, yeah. Yeah, right. Um, but it's still it's still just just living and breathing this thing and getting better and better until you know it so well that it just kind of becomes a part of you. But I don't think anybody would ever call music or playing music athletics, or you'd never you'd never call a musician an athlete. Sure, and I think a big part is probably because the end goal is very very different right is it not still proficiency though i mean i guess i guess you That's, know ultimately okay. music yeah. music doesn't doesn't ever um seek to win right there's nothing to win in music whereas an f uh, you can win like, people's hearts though you can win people's <laughs> hearts dave oh <laughs> um but yeah. but really the the drive the you know the repetition, the practice—that's all the same. It might be a different goal. Sure. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, maybe part of what it means to be an athlete is to engage in an athletic competition, right? So, like, okay, let's put it this way: I'm a runner, and I also like to play soccer a lot and water polo if I ever get the chance. But I don't. I don't really consider myself an athlete in any of those specific areas. I'm athletic, but I'm not like I'm not going out to run any races and actually compete. You know, the only person yeah. I'm trying to beat is myself, really. 
So I would say I'm athletic, but not an athlete because I'm not engaged in competitions to that level. You know, my drive is not to win. My drive is just to beat myself, typically. So, I mean, would, would that kind of help, I don't know, iron out what an athlete is? Well, yeah, I mean, not, I don't, I don't know if we really want to dive down into semantics, but I mean, as an athlete, does it just have a, a, um, what's, what's the, what's the sports, uh, analogy to profit incentive? (laughs) But I mean, that's like, so right. I mean, with, with music, it's, you know, there's so many different motivations, but there's not one singular motivation in a, in a formula one race, it's to win. Right. There's no, you know, if you wanted to just go for a Sunday drive, you'd go for a Sunday drive. You enter (laughs) a a race to compete against others and win. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So whatever the profit incentive of, (laughs) uh, you know. Of winning. Yeah. Of winning. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, I mean, in most car racing, I mean, NASCAR is probably the biggest, but then Formula One after that, there is a lot of money behind these entertainment industries it is massive uh, it's just pretty incredible i think nascar is still the the king in that respect um which first off really quick before we go any further i think we should i'd love to give a little history on the difference between the two because i don't know that many people know all of these little interesting tidbits first off i don't formula one is a very blue blood sport it's kind of like running the Kentucky Derby, but instead of breeding horses, you develop cars. Um, Most of the first Formula One drivers were basically just rich millionaire playboys who wanted to drive fast and wanted to win glory, right? And I think the first F1 race was in 1950, 51, something like that. Um, NASCAR has a much more truly American heritage. And while I'm not a fan, like I don't actively keep up with NASCAR, I admire it immensely. Um, the drivers are incredible. It's I know they only turn left and all that, but what they're doing with a car that's as loose as it is and they're driving that fast in that much traffic is, pre- is pretty incredible. It's unreal. Um, having said that, NASCAR started thanks to Prohibition, you could actually say. Um, so Prohibition was kicked off in what, the early 30s? Is that right? Maybe late 20s? I can't remember. Um, 20s. It was? Okay, cool. And so naturally, as we all know, um, people said, well, fine, I'm still just going to make booze and sell it to people. But you had to transport that booze, right? So you'd have bootleggers who would soup up their cars. You know, they would change the suspension. So even though they're carrying like a thousand pounds worth of booze in the trunk, it looked like, you know, nothing was, the car wasn't carrying anything. They would tune up their engines so that they could outrun the police, you know, things like this. So you got all these hot rod, basically, guys making race cars to sneak booze across state lines. And eventually they kind of said, like, you know, like Bill would look at Ted and be like, Bill, Ted, I'm faster than you. Like, my car's better than your car. And then, you know, vice versa. They just go back and forth. So eventually someone's like, well, why don't we just have a race? So NASCAR began as a way for bootleggers to figure out really who had the best stock car because all their cars were stock you know you bought them from the factory and then you tune them up and that's where nascar comes from and i think that is brilliant i that's actually because i've heard stock car so many times i never really knew what it meant but i've heard that and it's really that's super interesting that it comes from you know literal 
you know, prohibition times. Yep. Yep. Oh boy. That's a terrible sentence. I I gotcha. (laughs) It's funny because, I mean, current day stock cars, they are not stock cars. There's, you know, the yeah, right. opposite of stock cars. Right. I mean, they're, uh, I, f- I forget what they're called. There's a term for it. It's like silhouette cars or something like that. Basically, like the silhouette of the car looks similar to what you can buy at your dealership. But underneath all that paneling, it's a completely different beast. Because um, it has to be. I mean, race cars are put through much more extreme conditions than road cars are. Um, and so you have to upgrade your parts to handle that, you know, that difficulty. So and here's an here's a quick question for you, Dave. And this is something I think we've we've probably talked about this before. But would you call a gymnast an athlete? And the only reason I bring it up, or you could say a figure skater or a diver, um, ballroom dancing, because mm-hmm. those are sports that are based on subjective human judging yeah. to ascertain who the winner is. Now, would you call that a sport still? <sighs> Yeah, and and here's where you here's where you've got me because I, my gut says yes. Gymnasts are absolutely athletes. They're stupendously athletic. There's no doubt about that. It's unreal well, what they can do. Well, right, and I think I think that goes to just my definition of an athlete has something physical behind it. Right. So, you know, gymnasts, I, I remember in high school, you know, cheerleading, um, there was always this debate about whether cheerleading would be considered, you know, sport or athleticism. And I always thought, mm, yes, sure. right. Because it's very, it's physical, it's, it's, it's a, it's a physical competition and what, you know, the, the scoring system or the, the judgment of the winner is subjective. Um, it's still a competition involving physical prowess mm-hmm. to some degree. Right, yeah. and it's not completely that, like off the cuff subjective. I mean, these are qualified individuals judging. It's not like you just pick, you know, Stevo up off the corner from the bar and say, "Hey, can you go judge this for us?" No, it's it's highly well, qualified people. I mean, I would argue that racing could be subjective as well, right? Because it's who crosses a line first, but that line depends on the angle that you're looking at it. That line depends on you know <laughs> sure. where it's arbitrarily placed on a on a on a road. I mean, but it's yeah, it's yeah. arbitrarily placed in the same place for everyone. Yes, I mean, I also you know I'd, the interesting thing, the thing that's always really fascinated me about racing is is the fact that a track is a, it, it, you know, it's a circuit, which means a circle, right? So you are, with the exception of bends here and there, you are making the same turn, right? And mm-hmm. when you start the race, the race cars start at different points, depending on where they are in the... Uh, How they qualified, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, right, but like, you know, if you get to start place you know if you get to start on the inside of the track mm-hmm. yes you are theoretically distanced but uh, yeah you know that you know for, for as much you know scientific thought and and mathematics you know that have gone into that placement or that decision to start cars where they start them is that truly fair I mean, so, uh, and maybe I'm just getting down the semantical rabbit hole and you should cut this entire thing out, but yeah, cause it is fair the way it's set up. Okay. It's uh, all we'll based on, yeah, there's like a, there'll be like a qualifying session the day before the race and that yeah. determines the starting order to the grid. 
So it's it's based on merit. So yeah, we can cut all this out, I think. I don't know, but like chess, you know, is is white better than black? Like I it, sure. there, every every sport, every every form of athleticism has some sort of subjective cutoff, right, to define the rules of the game. And are they truly fair? Sure. I don't know. Right, like calling we, balls we and try strikes. Very hard. Right, like calling balls and strikes in baseball is completely subjective. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, most professional sports, right? You're leaving the the deciding calls up to subjective observers. Right. Yeah, and that's why I don't think I mean, like strictly speaking, sports where the score is completely hundred percent determined on a judge's evaluation. I don't think that eliminates the fact that that is an athlete competing in an athletic event, right? Because even if you're watching American football, you know, it's like, well, did the did the football actually cross the plane of the goal line? You know, we have to go back to slow motion review at, you know, one frame per second. You know, like it's just, it can get so ridiculously particular about those details. Um, and I think, which makes sense because people want to know who the real winner is, right? At the end of the day, it's all entertainment. It's all just to watch humans struggle and strive and achieve something, right? Because that's inspiring. It's encouraging. It's lo- it's wonderful. We all get amped up about it, especially if it's something we're into. So, yeah, I can see where, like, there is subjectivity in any sport that is played. So, yeah, I so think we me, can agree let, there. Let me throw this back at you then. So, a professional Formula One driver, a professional chess master mm. a professional hunter okay or ang- or angler fisher fisherman sure. mm-hmm. and a professional super smash brothers tournament competitor yeah yeah, yeah. or minecraft or whatever i don't know, I don't know games sure <laughs> all of those are are all of those athletes yeah, see, here's, yeah, you're going to catch me out on this one. I would say no. Um, a chess master, um, I think they're just a chess master. And that's to say that they have the mental and physical capability of achieving the feats that a chess master can accomplish, you know, playing multiple people. And the physical stamina that's required to do that, like, I'm not ignoring that fact. But I don't think that's necessarily a key part of that individual's training to beat their opponent. Right. Just like the person who's doing Smash Bros. They might do some hand stretches, some wrist stretches. Uh, they might do some cardio to make sure that like their brain is operating at peak efficiency. But it's not like your body's ability to handle the task is is what's at issue. You know, um, it's important to take care of that body, of course, because without a healthy body, the mind is useless typically. Um, so there is an element of physical training. But I. And this is where race car drivers fit in a funny gray area. It's like, well, to your point, they're sitting on a couch, which I'd like to point out is couldn't be farther from the truth, but I understand your perspective there. So to, I mean, so let's look at like, um, well, I, okay. Almost everyone's probably ridden a roller coaster at some point in time, right? Um, at least in the U.S., probably have. Um and so I pulled up a graph and I sent it to you, Dave. Um, listeners, it's not terribly important. It's a pretty small, short one. But there are only seven roller coasters in the world. The world. Not just the United States. Everywhere on this planet. 
that actually exceed 100 miles per hour. Seven. Which I'm guessing, I mean, Dave, um, I know there's one at Cedar Point, and I know you've been to Cedar Point a couple times. Did you ride the, um, the yeah, Top Thrill so, Dragster? No, not the Top Thrill Dragster. I think the last time I was at Cedar Point was probably at, over 10 years ago. So I, I, was, I actually got to ride the... Uh, Millennium Force, which at the time was, I think, the tallest. I don't know if it was the fastest. It was the tallest roller coaster, um, which I think is on the list, but it's like nine or ten. <laughs> so no, it didn't. It yeah. didn't ride the dragster. Yeah, it's and max I don't think speed Millennium is Force, only ninety three miles an hour. Yep, it's like I'm little kid stuff here. <laughs> well, but here's so here's what I'm trying. I to... remember my first roller coaster. <laughs> uh, oh, what a great movie! Oh man. Um, what I'm trying to say is if you've experienced a roller coaster and if you experienced what it's like to go over a hundred miles an hour, which Dave, you and I, neither of us actually have in terms of roller coasters, it's a pretty rare experience. But here's the thing. Imagine riding on that roller coaster, Dave, the Millennium Force, but also mm-hmm. being in charge of steering it. <laughs> so... So I have been in a car that's gotten to a hundred miles an hour before. Um, my, you know, dad's a big car guy, so I got to drive in. Uh, uh, he'll kill me because I don't remember the car. It was yep, yep. Ford. <laughs> uh, shoot. Was it the Stang? Oh, boy. No, 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 no. That thing can't get to hundred. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Um. He might also kill me for that too if it can. No, it was <laughs> it was a it was a, it was a special special uh, uh, Ford car that like I think it topped out at 160 and you had to drive it on like a, a strip. But like at at 100 miles and we didn't get near 160. We got to 100 and at 100 miles an hour going straight, I was terrified. Yeah, right. I, I wasn't driving. Like I, of course not. But. But, you know, one tiny move of the wheel to the left at 100 miles an hour could mean life and death. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And here's the crazy thing, Dave. That's only 100 miles an hour. So (laughs) so put this in perspective. So first off, listeners, I'm sure you don't know what an F1 car looks like or think about it too much. But they're huge cars. I mean, they're really low down to the ground, so they seem small. But they have the same footprint. Like, they take up the same amount of space as a Cadillac Escalade. Like, they're massive, massive wheelbase cars, right? And the slowest circuit in Formula One is at the, is at the Monaco Grand Prix, right? Which is a tight, twisty, windy street circuit in, like, old world Monaco, I mean, it's, it's, um, there's no straights on the street. It's literally like the, the driver is always turning at some point, basically. It's a very intense course for a driver to race. And it's the slowest one because it's so tight and narrow. And the average speed, the average speed of the winner this past year was 98 miles per hour of driving the equivalent of a Cadillac Escalade around tight, windy, European, European bumpy streets. C'est le Grand Prix. And like the margin for error is zero. I mean, they, there's literally barriers everywhere. Like if you miss, you hit a wall. That's it. Um, and yet these crazy people get in these cars that have a thousand horsepower and say, yeah, I'll go do that. Sounds good. So 
here's what I'm trying to say. Get in a roller coaster, any roller coaster that's relatively fast. You might hit 100 miles an hour if you're lucky at the right roller coaster. And you might experience around four, maybe four and a half G, right? So the force of gravity. Um, and it's a, it's a thrilling experience. But imagine being in charge of where that thrilling experience actually goes. And not only that, but you're in charge of it and you're trying to beat 19, 20, 25, wh- whoever, other people at that feat. And all of a sudden it starts to be like, okay, this is a little bit different. And to put to throw just one more number at you to make this make sense. If Imagine you're in like a nice Mercedes-Benz or a nice like a Ford GT sports car. Mm-hmm. And you're driving on a track. You're driving straight. You're driving, I don't know, 160 miles an hour. And you just slam your feet on the brakes as hard as the car will allow before the brakes actually lock up. You'll probably experience something like 1.3 maybe 1.2 G of force, right? So like the human head is 10 pounds on average. So when you're braking under that kind of of deceleration, which is really just acceleration, your head, instead of weighing 10 pounds, weighs 13 pounds, right? Because it's 1.3 G. Mm -hmm. In an F1 car, if you simply raise your foot off of the gas, like you're not even touching the brake. If you just raise your foot off the gas, the car will be braking at about 1G in and of itself just because of the aerodynamics of the car. Again, without applying brakes, the car, an F1 car, will slow down almost as much as a regular, like, souped-up road car. And then if they do use the brakes, they can experience, like, up to 4.5G. I think even <laughs> up to 5 Do you Do you know, like, just... Uh, I, I mean, I guess not point of comparison from like a road car, but like what kind of G forces do astronauts experience when they launch into space? Um, yeah. Oh, great. Great question. The, um, I actually looked this up cause I thought it might come up. That's incredible. Hey, um, the space shuttle, I think it was around three to three and a half G on, um, takeoff. <laughs> so, so on yes. earth, <laughs> yes. In Monaco. At yes. The Grand Prix. Yes. Experiencing wow. more for force, the driver is experiencing more force while in complete control of the car, mind you, more force than the space shuttle taking off. And by the way, they do this for about two hours. And when you said they're sitting on a couch, Dave, it's actually a really uncomfortable cockpit. And by, <laughs> by a cockpit, I mean like the little tiny like hole that a human body can fit into. Um, there's no air conditioning on these cars, of course, because that's extra dead weight. Um Cockpit is typically stashed with a bunch of electronic uh, components, so it's very hot. Um, drivers typically lose two to four pounds of weight over the course of a race just in dehydration. Um, so it's not exactly like it's not exactly sitting on the couch and just having fun. Now, having said that, I read an interview with a, a sports trainer, like a sports uh, scientist, who had experience training F1 drivers and IndyCar drivers, and the Sports scientist was like, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, an F1 or IndyCar driver, they're not like peak athletes. But he's like, you could put them on, on par with a, you know, a peak athlete in the sport of tennis. They're about at the same level of physical proficiency. Just because they need to be able to hold their head up straight while doing the ridiculous things they do and have complete control of their body so that they can actually, you know, give these delicate steering and braking and acceleration inputs to the car to actually make it work. Hmm. 
So it, and here's the thing. At the end of the day, I don't know that I would call them an athlete. It's incredible what they do. No one can do it like race car drivers can do it. But so much of what makes you win on a race day is the engineers and people who design your car, not the driver itself. And that's where I usually get hung up on this whole conversation is without the car, a race car driver is useless, which I mean, of course, you could say the same, same thing about baseball. Like without the baseball bat, like what's the hitter going to do? But there's yeah. not there's not hundreds of millions of dollars being put into wood technology to get, you know, an extra tenth of a second around Monaco. You know, it's it's just a different thing. I think you can say that about any modern sport nowadays. There's so much money behind, you know, everything that goes into, you know, shaving seconds and adding inches to, to however, however you compete in that sport, you know, like at the end of the day, what, what really makes an athlete? Is it, is it, you know, physicality? Well, you can say that about, you know, almost anything, even chess. I, you know, I think there's a physicality to chess, right? Sure. I mean, you're, mm-hmm. you're using the human brain. It's part of your body. It's another, you know, it's, it's maybe not the, the display of muscle that we're used to, but sure. it's it's a display of muscle in some way. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know what? So what is an athlete? What is what is a you know what is an artist? What is somebody who devotes themselves to to something? You know, does it does any of that really matter? I mean, what really matters to me is the the people who compete, the people who love it, the people who are just so enthralled by watching and understanding and and appreciating the the sport or the competition or the performance or whatever it is right you know who cares what we call it maybe we should just retire the the moniker of athlete i mean that's a great point i think yeah i mean splitting hairs isn't gonna make anyone enjoy watching baseball basketball or nascar any more than anything else so it's not about the name that necessarily matters, but I think what people enjoy about athletes or who they perceive to be athletes, I mean, maybe it's something more like, well, I don't know. Is it, do human, as humans, do we just love to see other people do things that we can only dream of doing? Yeah.